Well, let's go ahead. We're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, but Julie is from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Uh, let's say this together in the Christian Standard Bible. Genesis 50, 20. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. And obviously, if you weren't in the early service, this is from the life of Joseph, in which he, after being restored to his brothers and they recognized him, he said, you meant it for evil, but God designed it meant for good, for the saving of really the children of Israel. All right. Living faith. Putting our faith into practice. So in other words, our conversation today, no pun intended, is about what we say. Our time together is going to be looking at where is it in our Christian life, where is it in our walk, about what we say and how that impacts people's lives. And so this is where our lesson is going today. And uh, my prayer is that when we leave here, we will be not just filling some space here, but we'll actually be able to think through this and ask maybe ourselves the question, is what I'm saying productive? When I communicate to somebody, am I saying it with the right words, the right tone, the right motive, the right action? You know, the, everything that's involved in communication. Is my body language communicating exactly what I'm saying? Um, is, is, is how I'm communicating proper? And sometimes, I mean, there's been entire books written about, you know, for example, before you hit send, that's a book. Before you hit send, it's like, okay, in other words, all they're saying is when you start communicating online, is it really what you want to say? And sometimes we, we say things in, in, online that is interpreted a certain way and they're communicated a certain way. And it's vital. I can't tell you the number of times that I've written an email, stopped, and thought, you know, I wasn't even cordial in the beginning of this. I got to go back and do at least the nice, nice to say, you know, you know, hey, how are you? Happy New Year, whatever. And then get into the business of the matter, you know, whatever. And it's not necessarily bad, but sometimes have you ever, how many of you have ever written an email and then got to the end of it, read over it and deleted it? Oh yeah. Okay. Because you know, it's not productive or, or healthy, et cetera. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Oh, hello. You think James is trying to get something across here? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed 
and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image, or his likeness, excuse me. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray this morning real quick. Father, there's a lot being said here. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts about what we should and shouldn't say. God, give us wisdom in this area. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Teachers must be careful of what they say. Don't be many teachers, okay? That's a given. We've read that. Teachers can be very influential, okay? Have you ever had a teacher who made a positive or negative impact on your life? How? Give me some examples. Let's stick with positive ones right now. Yeah, it does. Giving you encouragement. Giving you encouragement. So you were encouraged by a teacher. Excellent. Somebody else. Were any of you led to Christ by a teacher? Anybody in here? Just out curious. Yeah. Okay. What else? Yeah. Excellent. To persuade you to continue to do something, to encourage that, to foster that in your life, to not quit, to keep going. Excellent. I think a lot of times, yeah, go ahead, David. It took me extra time to explain something that I didn't understand after class. Yeah. Explain something that you didn't understand after class. They took the time. They cared about you enough. They weren't just so focused on their own life that they focused on yours and made a difference in your life. I'll never forget my geometry teacher. Uh, I was, you know, I was like, I'm learning these postulates and theorems, and I'm going, yeah, this is stupid. I don't even understand. I loved math, but I thought, this is just ridiculous. Why do I have to do this? And he pulled me aside after class, and he said, Lou, geometry isn't about geometry for you. Most students, it's not. It's about life. This is a life principle. That just like in geometry, there is step-by-step -step processes that have to take place to get the result that you want. That's the same thing in life. You've got to take everything step by step by step. And I, you know, I said, you know, thanks for taking the time to do that. I still can picture it. I said, now that makes sense to me. I, I understand why geometry is practical in my life as opposed to just learning it for learning's sake because I'm not going to be a geometry teacher. And I said, that's good. And I appreciate that. And, and people, can, your teachers can make a great difference, but What's very interesting, even for example, okay, I, I, I'm gonna pull the plug, throw the grenade, all right, let it say where it will. Okay, I, um, I'm gonna communicate something that some of you may disagree with, and I hope in the name of the Lord Jesus that you don't get mad at me and, and leave this class. How do you like that beginning intro? <laughs> Bill Gates did not put a chip in the vaccine so that you've got 666 in your body. Okay, I'm just saying. You know, you're gonna get, you're gonna hear so many things from good-meaning people 
who are trying to communicate certain things about what's happening out there, these conspiracy theories, and all these kinds of things that kind of make people concerned, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you know, it's like, and you can still believe that if you want to. And you can choose not to get the vaccine, and you'll never travel again in your life probably, but nevertheless, okay? You can choose whatever you want. You can believe whatever you want, but that's the power of education. Someone can tell you something, you can believe it, because you trust them. And that's why God tells me just what I just said here. Lou, you're going to be judged by what you said today. I'm going to judge you for everything you say. So you better make sure what you're saying is true. Theologically speaking, think about this. Why would someone want to teach in church? There, if you go back to the first century and if you go today, people want to teach in some aspects for the wrong reasons. Maybe for authority, maybe for power, maybe for financial influence, maybe for whatever connections they may get through the process, um, or some of them, uh, like I, I shared before in here, about four years ago, five years ago, they did a special on Southern Baptist pastors that, that had left the faith, and they showed these Two pastors sitting there with their faces blurred, and they said, okay, tell me, you are an atheist, but you're pastoring a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church. Why? They go, well, we have a seminary degrees, and we, we, we can't get another job anyplace else, so we're just teaching what we don't believe to keep our jobs. Are you kidding me? Do you understand God, even though you don't believe in him anymore? doesn't matter what you believe. Your belief doesn't make God exist or doesn't exist. And why would you do that? Why would you be deceptive even if God didn't exist? Just for money. Okay? Think about that. James says that these teachers will be judged more strictly. But people have a, ver a variety of, of reasons for why they do what they do. And remember what the Bible says? That there are wolves in sheep's clothing intending to do evil? Satan even leads some to go into ministry to ultimately hurt the church. Okay? Someone read for me Luke 12, 48. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. In other words, are we held accountable by, for what we have? Yeah. And if we misuse... What you've been given, okay? If you have salvation and you misuse that, God's going to deal with that. If you have something, what you've been given, you're going to be held accountable for. You're going to be held responsible for. And if you've given much, much will be required for you. How are you handling what God has given to you? Luke 17, 1 and 2. Someone read that for me. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to and I don't think he's talking about just little children. He's talking about us. Be careful. You put yourself in a position. Woe to anyone through whom they come. Woe to those who cause people to stumble. You say things intentionally which hurt people. Okay? And we have to be careful of that. 
And 2 Peter 2, 1 to 3 says, but there were also false prophets among these people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Okay? They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. In other words, folks, there's going to be people in our lives that are going to communicate false teaching to us. So let me ask this question. Okay, everyone sitting here, answer this question. When you hear something that may or may not be true, what do you do? What? Check more references. Check more references. What references are you supposed to check? The Bible. The, the Bible is the key one. Okay? So what do you do? How do you know whether it's true or not? Siri. <laughs> Siri. Hey, Siri. Ask your, ask your spouse. Ask your husband. Ask, ask your spouse. Ask your husband. Ask, ask your wife. They know everything. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> yeah. And think it over. Because <coughs> what I have found, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Or rather, it's not. Yeah. You just think it over, and, you know, it's it's kind of like, thou shalt not kill. Well, yeah, you think about that, and you say, yeah, you really can't justify killing someone, you know, and, and then you get to your ethics course that you, you know, that you teach at Liberty, you know, you start thinking, that kind of thoughts going through your head. Uh, you know, if you gave me an analogy one time of spilling a loaf of bread, well, what if you were feeding your, you know, your sister because she was starving? So, you, you know, is that right to spill a loaf of bread? Right. So, you know, you can also open yourself up forever. Other lines of questioning as well. Absolutely. Just, you, you said something very important, though, which most people, including Christians, refuse to do. Take the time to think through it. We're so busy. We're so preoccupied by entertainment stuff, going someplace, going here, going there, that we don't take the time to actually think through our faith, to understand these questions and to be able to investigate and to look at them, think through them, pray about them, seek the wisdom of the Lord. Peace. Have you got peace about this? Or is this just something that we think is right? Be a critical evaluator of everything we hear and see without being a cynic. And then when we do that, we can trust the Lord. But we, we have to remember, we're going to hear stuff. Here's the bottom line. According to this passage, you're going to hear things from religious people that are false. So we don't believe everything we hear. And, and I'm going to say this. I have no problem saying it. And you should question what I say. Is what he's saying accurate? So if you go out of here and you go, I'm not sure if I agree with him on this one. I have no problem with that. Now I'm going to do everything in my power to communicate accuracy, accurate biblical truth. But you can go out of here and investigate as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole point with the Bereans. I mean, when Paul was preaching, it was Paul who's been 
trained probably better than any of the other apostles in terms of theology and stuff, they were still commended because when he spoke, they went back to the scriptures and said, is what he's saying really, does it comport with what we already know to be true? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that's, that's very challenging, and believe me, I, I, okay, here's the pen again, I'm pulling it out, throwing the grenade, being an American does not trump being a Christian. <laughs> I love this country, but I love Jesus more. And what we say and do matters. And I don't find, I don't find my freedom according to a constitution, though I'm very grateful for our constitution. I find my freedom in Christ. And I want to live according to his word and not just a social construct that I'm comfortable with. But I will do everything I can to defend what we have in this country. Okay? And rightly so. Okay? And thankfully, our Constitution provides that, that right. That we have the right to, to free speech until it's taken away from us. But, we, but it's like... You know, it's like people say, I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago in class, somebody mentioned, I think Roger may have done, said something. They said, prayer's taken out of school. No, it's not. I mean, public prayer is taken out. But I can pray in the public school. You can, Tish, you can pray every single day in that classroom throughout the day. Even as you're talk, teaching your students, you can say in your mind, Lord, help this child. And that child that's a believer can pray for their classmates. You know? Uh, I wish it was public, but I get it. We yeah. love our minute of silence, so there is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is that minute of silence. I had a student that would pray over the class before a test, because he'd stand up and say, do you guys care if I pray for all of us? I couldn't stop him. Go ahead. So he would. I mean, they can do what they want. It's just the teachers that, and in the moment they say something to us, then we can too, but we can't instigate it. Right. And I've had kids bring Bibles. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's like, you know, they meant it for evil. God's going to do, use it for good. And I think we just have to be brothers and sisters of Christ together. You know, everyone sins. But if you can control your tongue, you'll be perfect. That's what James is saying. If you can control your tongue, you can be perfect. Wouldn't that be nice? That's our goal. So the tongue is small but makes a great impact. We've read this already. You know, we talked about these metaphors of the horse, the rudder of the ship. Uh, the tongues of fire, etc., etc. James is very concerned about the tongue and addresses it in every chapter of this letter. So, in other words, what he says, what we say is really important, and he's focusing on that because if we're talking about faith, that works. Okay. In other words, the evidence of our faith is our works, and in this part here, he's saying the evidence of your faith is what you say. Or don't say. How are you using your tongue? So the evidence of you being a follower of Christ is what you say or don't say. And he says, you know what the problem is, though, is that nobody uses his tongue perfectly. So the common metaphor is to teach about the tongue's influence and how little things can control large things is the bit of it in a horse's mouth. A bit allows the rider to control the direction of the horse. The rudder of a ship, the rudder allows the pilot to control the ship and calm the, the ranges, you know, in, in calm and raging storms, whether it's going good or whether it's evil. The rudder 
is what makes the difference. If that rudder gets broken, the ship is gone. It's going to crash. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be flipped in a storm, etc. Whatever the case may be. So that rudder is important. So is your tongue. So in other words, what he's saying is this. Focus your spiritual life, a lot at least, on your tongue. Think about what you say or shouldn't say. The tongue has great influence. It's very boastful. Proverbs 16, 18. Someone read that for me. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Okay, so here's this attitude. Does the tongue ever show your attitude? Yeah. And pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. This attitude of I'm better than somebody else. I deserve this. James uses a third metaphor, a small fire, just like a spark can set an entire forest on fire so the tongue can cause unimaginable damage. What you say to your parent, what you say to a sibling, what you say to your child, what you say to your friend or coworker or whatever, your boss, can make all the difference in the world. And that's why we have to have a short range, you know, on our sin. That when we say or do something, we need to confess it to them. Seek the forgiveness of God. And think about it. We, we recognize this. We've had it in this country, right? Think about the forest fires that have destroyed tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres in this country. Homes, lives, people's lives have been destroyed. Why? Because it could have been because of lightning. Sometimes, sometimes it's from a campfire. Someone just flicks out a cigarette. It changes everything. It affects everything. A little spark can change everything. So in other words, what you say, even though it may be small, can be really hurtful and destructive. Think about that. A little spark can start everything. Think about a word. A word. Even in passing. Even just as you're walking away. You say it under your breath, but they hear it. It's impactful. The tongue is like a fire. It's a world of evil, or literally, the word is, the tongue is the unrighteous world in our body. Okay? That's what it literally means. The tongue is, is the unrighteous world in our body. In other words, everything that's bad about this world can come out of this tongue. Everything that's destructive can come out of this tongue. Psalm 52, verses 3 through 5. Someone read that for me. To love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speak the truth. To love every harmful word, uh, a deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Think about that. You deceitful tongue. It's very, making a, a real strong statement against the tongue here, David's saying. The tongue is small, but can, be, can corrupt the whole body and destroy people. A fourth metaphor is used by James. Hell, or literally Gehenna. It was the land where they, they burned things. Actually, sacrifices were actually made there as well. And literally, this is where the garbage dump 
outside of the city of Jerusalem. And it burned continuously. It was the picture of hell. Okay? It, 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 it was the visual representation of it or metaphor. Where the wicked were punished and the fire never ceased. The fire, James is saying this, the fire of hell is what fuels the tongue to destroy. In other words, you have the freedom within you to be used by Satan himself, by evil itself, by hell itself, to destroy people. Think about the power of words to lift up. And my encouragement is this. I have, a, I have a saying, a motto for our office. I want my staff to love what they do and love who they get to do it with. I say it all the time. I want you to love what you do and love who you do it with. And even on Friday, right in the morning, something happened and there was a rift and there was anger and there was frustration between staff members. I said, this is going to end now. Meeting. I called an immediate meeting and I prayed before we started. I said, okay, we're going to deal with this thing right now because the bottom line is I'm not going to allow you to go into this weekend angry. You got, you guys got an issue and here's where it started. And I, I looked at the person who started and said, it's going to end. It ends right now. And I said, what you said was divisive and hurtful. And that's going to end. You will not be an employee for me and do this ever again. <laughs> and it's in the midst of everybody who was involved in this process. And I said, this is how we're going to treat one another. This is how we're going to act towards one another. This is what authority looks like. This is what respect is like and value. Because every one of you have been created in God's image. And that's the, that's the instruction here. You have to live and value each other as people created in the image of God. Your spouse was created in the image of God. Your child was created in the image of God. Your friend was created in the image of God. Your parent was created in the image of God. And when you disrespect that image, you are disrespecting God. And God will judge that. Period. Okay? That's why he's so adamant that even before the law of God was written in the Old Testament, Genesis 9-6 says this, Whosoever sheds man's blood for it, um, by man shall their blood be shed for in the image of God created a man before the law he said it ends now this is what I say if you kill you will be killed because you're touching my image then he says as simple as hey you say something about these little ones it would be better for you to have a millstone tucked around your neck and thrown into the sea and imagine that one that's master commander for you Imagine you would rather have that done. All kinds of animals, birds, etc., reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed. <laughs> and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And that's why Paul says, I beat my body into subjection. Paul had, had to deal with this issue. Seriously. I have got to control this thing. So here's the bottom line. You have to make a decision. I have to make a decision every day. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Who's my Lord? Am I the Lord? Am I in control? Or is he the Lord? He is in control. Who am I submitting to? Who's my master? Right? 
And in that process, then I got to say, you know what, James, I get it. Man, this tongue can be evil, but I am going to do everything I can to control it. I'm going to try to tame this because I've got to be walking in the image of Christ. James is emphatically saying that the tongue cannot be tamed. The tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Why? Why is that? Why is that a, a truthful statement? Well, it starts in your heart. That's where it's coming from. Yeah. So if you're angry about something or whatever, and you don't use that control, this is what, like the Lord said, it's what comes out of man that's bad, not what goes in. Absolutely. Think about this. When the Holy Spirit enters you, do you have fruits of the flesh from the Holy Spirit? No. Do you have fruits of the Spirit in you? Yes. What's the first one? Love. Will love say hurtful things? It can. But walking in the Spirit with love, would that walking in the Spirit with love say hurtful things? It can, but will it? If you're walking in the spirit. No. If you walk in the spirit, you won't do what? You won't walk in the flesh. You won't walk in the flesh. So if you're walking in the spirit, you're not going to fulfill. So the Bible does say that you have the ability to tame the tongue. Even though James is saying, practically speaking, it's like, can you be perfect? No. Can you be perfect? Yeah. yeah. You can, but you're not going to be. Because unfortunately, the flesh takes over too many times. But you can. God would never call you to be perfect like your Heavenly Father is perfect if you couldn't do it. But you can. But we don't. That's the, that, the wrestling between the flesh and the spirit. Same thing with the tongue. Can you control the tongue? No. Can you control the tongue? Yeah. The question is, are you going to do it? You know? It's using the phrase, bite your tongue. Yeah, bite your tongue. Right. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. And we've, we've read the rest of it. The tongue can be used for good or for evil. Someone read Proverbs 15, 1 to 4. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, so the wisdom of Solomon here is saying, you know what? Be careful what you say because a gentle answer turns away wrath. You can end an argument. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and gotten upset? Anybody? Yes. Sure. Can you have a continued argument with them when they're speaking softly? No. Most of the time... The wrathful anger ceases at that point. It's just no fun. It just dies. They may just get frustrated and walk away. If you're not going to fuel it with angry words yourself, but a harsh word, it'll stir it up. You always, you never, you know, those emphatics, absolutes. See, the, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge. It communicates knowledge but with the mouth of full gushes folly. The Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of literally life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruits. So if you love life, you'll speak life. If you love death, 
you will speak death. So be careful of what you say. Praise of God does not override our cursing of other human beings. In other words, you know, yeah, but God, you got to understand, I go to church and I, live, I, I sing worship songs, I love you, Lord, you know, and all this kind of stuff. It, it, that does not trump cursing humanity. But you got to understand, I go to church, I say all the right things, you know, I'm kind to people, I, I like to help my brothers and sisters in Christ, I just can't stand them. Mm -mm, doesn't trump that. Genesis 1, 26, 27 says that God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures so that, God, that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Rule. Think about this. Rule over every living thing. Adam and Eve. Rule over it. Both of you, male and female, were created in his image. If you can rule the animals of this land, surely you can rule your own tongue. I've given you this responsibility. And take care of those created in his image. What's in us will come out of us. Garbage in, garbage out. What we say can reveal our hypocrisy. Mark 7, 6 says... He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The hypocrisy is saying all the right things around Christians and then going home and living like the devil. Or going home and living like a jerk with your, with your peers. You don't take care of your employees and you don't, you don't help each other and you don't, you're not there for each other. It's self-motivated. <clears throat> what comes out of us is our true self. Someone read Matthew 15, 11, and 18 to 19. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. See, it, they, they were being accused, the, Jesus and the disciples. You're washing, you're eating with unwashed hands. Now, obviously, we don't recommend that. that you, you know, but he says, you're so concerned about ritual washings and taking care of pots and pans and, in a certain way. But let me tell you something. What goes into the body doesn't defile you. Okay? Now, obviously, he's not saying you don't need to wash your hands with soap for 20 seconds. He's not saying that. What he's saying is their focus was on a ritual instead of reality. They were focusing on doing the right thing that they created, their own law, than doing the right thing because what comes out of us is what really makes us dirty. Okay, so James is saying your faith Okay, you want to, how many of you here want to go to heaven one day? Say amen. Amen. Okay. That's great. But it, James is saying it will be evidenced by what you do. And in this case, by what you say. You can say a lot of good stuff, but it's not, if it's not coming out, 
If it's hurtful, if it's mean, if it's mean-spirited, if it's disrespectful, if it's hateful, the question is, where's Jesus in you? What's coming out? Okay. Luke 6.45 says, A good man bring good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Think about that. So you're talking to somebody and just you're or talking about someone. It's vile. Think through that. Is that the Christian life? What's in the heart? Our prayer should be that we praise God and not use our words to harm others. Someone read Psalm 119, 172. Who will get that? I'm going to give, give all three of these out real, real quick. Okay, there's one. Psalm 120, verse 2. Who will get that one? Thanks, Jen. And so, uh, Proverbs 21, verse 23. Who will get that one? Thank you, Jen. Psalm 119, 172. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. Righteous. Psalm 120, verse 2. Save me, Lord, from my lips and deceitful tongues. Proverbs 21, 23. Those who guard their mouth and their tongue keep themselves from calamity. So that's my prayer today. That we would keep our tongues and our lives from calamity. In other words, reduce the drama in your life, folks. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down below. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you, and I pray that we do so in spirit and in truth. May this lesson be continually on our hearts and minds this week. May your Holy Spirit bring it back to our remembrance. And I pray that you'll do so before we say the wrong things. May the love of Jesus Christ fill our hearts and minds and your word fill us with truth so that when we speak, righteousness and truth will come out. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week. Thank you.